0: Hello and welcome to the FIC podcast, where you'll hear teaching and resources for church leaders to help independent churches work together to reach Britain for Christ. How can churches care for women during the lockdown period and beyond? In this Leadership in Lockdown webinar, FIC National Director John Stevens is joined by FIAC's Women's Ministry team, Eleanor McGarren, Rachel Sloan and Gabby Samuel, They think about what women's ministry has looked like during lockdown and how to go forward in women's ministry.
1: Uh, So welcome. We're going to start, as usual, um, uh, by uh, turning to God's word as we begin um, our time uh, together. And uh, I think one of the big challenges that we face um, during this coronavirus uh, time is the challenge of persevering and keeping going. I don't know about you, but I think for many of us, we struggle with keeping going when we don't know whether there's an end in sight. We don't know how far down the uh, path uh, we are. So we need to um, persevere. And actually that picture of persevering is actually true of the Christian life more generally, as we make our pilgrimage to the ultimate new creation. Um, uh, We have to keep persevering uh, on uh, a day by day uh, basis. And I think uh, in order to persevere um, in the present, Uh, As Christians, the basic principle of the Christian life is that we need to both look forward to the future and look back. We need to uh, look forward to um, uh, the ultimate fulfillment of the promises of God. We also need to look back to the ways that God has been faithful to us and kept his promises. And we're sustained to persevere as we head to final victory, both by looking forwards and looking uh, back. And I just want to uh, read from 1 Samuel chapter 7 verses 7 to 12, which I think gives us a picture of particularly the importance of uh, looking uh, back um, as we seek to persevere. The context here is the Israelites are gradually beginning to recapture the promised land and subdue the Philistines after they've been oppressed by the Philistines because of their sin and rejection against God. They've returned back to God and they're beginning to uh, subdue the Philistines. Uh, the Philistines um, uh, attacked them at Mizpah, and then uh, this is what we read in 1 Samuel 7 verses uh, 7 to 12. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for it, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now, of course, uh, here in this passage, uh, Samuel, as the uh, the priest, the prophet, um, the mediator on behalf of God's people, um, uh, points us ahead and reminds us of the Lord Jesus. And here, as Israel faces this battle, uh, they turn to uh, Samuel and ask him to be um, interceding with God on their behalf. And in a similar way, I think it's important that we remember that Christ the uh, ultimate mediator, has won the final victory for us, and he is the one who is praying uh, for us. Jesus is the one who has offered the sacrifice that we need to take away our sin. He is the one who is our high priest interceding at the right hand of God, uh, praying uh, for us. Um, uh, At the same time, as we um, face uh, the ongoing struggles of the battle, we need to remember to be those who cry out to God for help the Israelites came to Samuel and asked for Samuel to cry out to God on their behalf and in a similar way we come to the Lord Jesus and we ask him to cry out to intercede on our behalf. Of course God then gave the Israelites the victory but I think what's so striking is the way that after this victory was enjoyed Samuel ensured that the people remembered the victory. And he set up this stone as a way of remembering them how God, uh, remembering how God had helped them uh, thus far. And I think it's vitally important that as the people of God, we remember how God has helped us thus far. I think sometimes as Christians, we're very good at looking forward to the ultimate future of looking ahead to glory, of fixing our eyes on the Lord Jesus. But we easily forget how God has helped us thus far. And the fact that God has helped us thus far is an encouragement to us that God will keep helping us and that he will bring us safely uh, into the ultimate victory. So maybe in this coronavirus crisis, as we don't know how long it's going to last, as we feel frustration and fear, perhaps we need to remember how God has helped us thus far, the way God has sustained us, the way God has sustained our ministries, the way God has been helpful to us that's a particular principle for living the Christian life that we can apply um, in this coronavirus crisis. I wonder whether as a church you get together and remember how God has helped you as a real encouragement to keep persevering. So we need to keep persevering. Let's remember Christ is the one who's won the victory. He intercedes for us. Let's keep crying out to him for the help that we need but let's also remember how God has helped us thus far. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you and praise you and um, that we can be confident and assured that you will help us and that you will ultimately bring us uh, into your promised new creation. Thank you that we know that because the Lord Jesus has won the victory. Thank you that we know that because of your promises. Thank you that he is interceding for us. But we also thank you for the very many ways that we've seen you help us already. Please help us to be thankful and grateful. And as we reflect on all those ways that we've enjoyed your help, Might that spur us on to keep persevering? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, um, John. I think listening to those guidelines just highlights
2: for us, doesn't it, how 2020 has been one strange year, and one that I think for many of us we will never forget. Um, We have all experienced this year the disappointment of things getting cancelled. It's been hard not being able to plan with certainty, And for all of us, this has taken a toll um, on our ministries. As I think back to this year at Charlotte, um, we hold a Sunday lunch for the women um, every year in March, a great time of fellowship and teaching. And as the first lockdown loomed, we took the decision to cancel the lunch. And I somewhat naively assumed that it wouldn't be long before we could rearrange and be gathered back together again well how wrong I was. Here we are eight months later and I still have no certainty over whether we can plan a Sunday lunch for our women next March again. And as we reflect on this past year, it all begs the question, amid this uncertainty, amid this lack of ability to plan, what does women's ministry look like in lockdown and beyond? Well, what I'm going to say won't be surprising But I hope our time together will encourage many of us to keep doing what we've been doing and to spur us on when we're tempted to give up or to lose heart. Because women's ministry in lockdown and beyond, well, it it looks like what it has always done. It is focused around God's word. It looks to disciple women to maturity and faith. It walks alongside those in need of extra love and care and it desires to bring more women to know the good news of Jesus for themselves. God's word, discipleship, pastoral care, and evangelism. This is what is at the heart of women's ministry, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. And of those things, God's word must be central to all that we do and be the first principle that shapes our women's ministry. And to remind us this afternoon why that is so, I want to reflect very briefly on Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. If you do have a Bible, grab it and read it along with me. But Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11, says this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. From these verses, the first reason why God's word must be central is that it is God speaking. And I think this is a truth that we know, but one that we forget how remarkable it is. The creator of the universe, the one who flung stars into space, has spoken to us and is speaking to us. What we have in our hands when we hold the Bible reflects what the God who holds the whole world together has to say to us. And this is about as personal as it can get. The very breath of God from the mouth of God. Whenever we read the Bible, when we teach it to others, When other women teach other women in our churches, it is God speaking directly to us. And the second reason why God's word must be central in women's ministry is because it is powerful. It must be if it is the very breath of God. With that same breath, he made the whole world. And this is what Isaiah 55 verse 11 is talking about when it says that God's words will not return to him empty but will accomplish that which he purposes. It will do everything God intends it to do. In the same way that the rain falls on the earth and makes the earth bud and flourish, so does God's word accomplish and succeed. It transforms situations, brings life and growth to women who engage with it. And we hear this echoed in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 3.16, when we find what God's word is able to do, It's useful for teaching, correction, training in righteousness, making the woman of God competent and equipped for every good work. All we need to live the lives God has called us to do is found in his word. It can call people to life in Christ and then train them comprehensively how to live like Christ. So if God's word is him speaking directly to us, powerfully changing lives, then we need to make it central to all that we do. Therefore, the three strands of women's ministry, discipleship, pastoral care, and evangelism, must also have God's word at the heart of them. So let's briefly take each one in turn, just to remind ourselves what those strands look like. To start with, when God causes someone to respond to the gospel with faith and to be born again, his desire for them is to grow in loving Jesus, following Jesus, and becoming more like Jesus. And this doesn't happen overnight. Instead, as Christians, we need to be lovingly nurtured to see this growth in our life. And the New Testament teaches that this growth happens in the context of the local church. Through sound Bible teaching and through relationships with one another, we can grow to love God by obeying his word. This is discipleship. Mark Dever describes discipleship as involving transmitting the knowledge of God in his word through every moment of life, deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that they will become more like Christ. Therefore, discipleship can come through a variety of different contexts in our women's ministry, by informally sharing God's word with one another, by living a life alongside one another, through intergenerational one-to-one relationships or small group Bible studies. And so our women's ministry should be full of these. The lockdown season might have changed the shape of how we've discipled, but it hasn't changed the importance of it. In many ways, it has only served to heighten the need. And then, as we spend time discipling women in our churches, it won't be long before we come across women who are facing difficult circumstances. Those who are wrestling with the stresses and strains of life in a fallen world those who have fears over the future, and those who are reeling from past traumas. It is therefore important to be equipped to support such women and to do so in ways that are thoroughly biblical and Jesus-centered. And we want the women in our churches to be able to do the same. Therefore, our women's ministry will be full of practical expressions of care for women who are hurting and broken. And alongside that, we want to find ways to equip women in our churches so they can walk alongside others and point them to Jesus, as he is the one who will ultimately bring transformation in their lives. And then finally, we have an urgent task to perform. The temptation at the moment could be to focus solely on the church and the women under our care, as there's enough there to occupy us. But there is a great spiritual crisis facing the majority of our population. And the only solution to that crisis is the gospel. Jesus has commanded us through the Great Commission to go and make disciples. He urges us to tell women the good news of the gospel with the hope that they will respond in faith, repent from their sins and put their trust in Jesus as their saviour and lord. Therefore women's ministry will always involve evangelism. Some of our women will be particularly gifted evangelists, but we will all have a role to play. We want to be encouraging our women to live amid an antagonistic world in such a way that others will ask the reason for their hope. And when asked, we want to have equipped the women in our churches to be able to share the gospel This might be through teaching them a gospel outline, training them how to share their testimony, how they can read the Bible one-to-one, how they can share their stories and connect them to the Bible stories and the culture stories. There are many ways that we can do this. But whatever the circumstances happening in our world, the essential components and vision for women's ministry will remain the same. Our ministry must be grounded in God's word growing in the context of God's people and aiming to see Christ exalted. We desire women who think seriously about discipleship, evangelism, and show loving care towards one another. Neither coronavirus nor a lockdown can change the heart of our women's ministry. All they might do is change the vehicles we use in our ministry and cause us to think more creatively to achieve this God-given focus. I'm now
3: going to hand over to Eleanor, who's... Thank you very much, Rachel, um, for that uh, overview there and uh, getting us to really look at the essentials in women's ministry. Now, those leading women's ministry during lockdown have had to be flexible, innovative and committed to further these areas of ministry. Many women in ministry feel that they've only been able to muddle through, as one ministry wife put it to me. But what struck me from the women in ministry, a mix of women's workers and ministry wives who I asked to give me their feedback, was the ways in which the Lord has taken their service and blessed it. I was reminded of the feeding of the 5,000, where five loaves and two fish were willingly offered. And they met the needs of those partaking in the same way that the Lord Jesus, the bread of life himself, has met and provided for our needs as Christian women during this difficult season. I want to look at women's ministry in lockdown and beyond under four headings, illustrating disciple evangelism and pastoral care that is firstly integrated, secondly intergenerational, Thirdly, inclusive and fourthly, individual. And perhaps these four headings will help you then to think about your own women's ministry in your own churches. And then at the end, we'll draw some conclusions. Well, women's ministry has been integrated. Women's ministry needs to be thought of in the whole life of the church and come under the church leadership. For example, Evangelism often isn't women-specific, but has been designed taking into account the women who will be participating or listening, as well as the men. Whether that's through an online evangelistic talk, a course, or a series of life testimonies filmed for online sharing. Women sharing about their own circumstances, about personal loss, how they've been helped by their faith. How they've persevered, women sharing their stories of how they have come to Christ. And then women's ministry needs to be considered within every ministry where women are present in the life of the church, whether that be ministry to internationals, seniors, students, young adults, youth, especially baby and toddler ministry. And word-based women's ministry can be evangelistic meet the need of discipleship and pastoral care all at the same time. One women's worker told me of a thriving daytime Bible study Zoom group for women, which grew out of a quilting group and is a mixture of Christians and non-believers and also meets a need for pastoral care. Pastoral care can be done at any time during women's ministry. One, one uh, women's worker wrote, almost every Bible study or talk for women has included a reminder of the need to love and care for each other, and that we need to be intentional about that. Secondly, we, women's ministry has been intergenerational, that biblical Titus 2 approach. Older women discipling younger women, but also younger women challenging and encouraging older women too. Smaller churches can be better at intergenerational ministry, but larger churches should want to make it a priority too. Zoom Bible studies have have meant in many cases that a much broader range of women can join, some who've been furloughed who'd normally be, be, be working, some who are on a daytime break from work, some retired, some living alone. Serving the needs of women at different stages of life and in different circumstances during lockdown has provided a catalyst for intergenerational ministry in one-to-ones that have been set up to specifically help uh, with different needs. Thirdly, women's ministry has been inclusive and accessible. It's brought those in from the fringe of the church. It's reached women right across the church. Again, in Zoom Bible studies, some of the older ladies who perhaps haven't been so keen to come out at night have been able to access meetings, evening meetings online. And much thought and care has been given to get women online who perhaps would have struggled otherwise, making sure that no one is left out. One church started a women's blog with the aim of helping women to keep engaging and to develop the gifts of those with writing ability. All posts were anonymous, and so um, they were able to be very open about some more of the more difficult issues in in life. Social media has enabled um, connection with women and reaching many, many, uh, Rachel's quoted from Isaiah 55, And we know that we cast our bread on the waters, don't we? And after many days, we will find it. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1. And then during lockdown as well, service, there've been many ways of uh, women getting involved in new ways of service. Practical service, pastoral care, and women getting involved in other areas of church life too, perhaps on the technical side or getting involved in health and safety aspects and the profile of women in ministry has perhaps been raised through an online presence. Fourthly, women's ministry during lockdown has been individual. It's been caring for those who are in need. So much has gone on under the radar, hasn't it? That's provided encouragement and support to women. There've been many, countless messages, phone calls, letters, cards written in every church doorstep chats, the lending of good um, Christian material, for um, personal, personal attention to women has been vital. And a little has gone a long way during lockdown. Some women, though, have more complex pastoral problems and needs in the marriages, health issues, domestic abuse situations, issues with children, mental health bereavement and counselling has gone on online or on the telephone. Pastoral care visits by women ministering to women as allowed by the guidelines has been possible and support groups have been permitted and still are and it's been really good to hear of a number of churches setting up support groups for those in need. Maybe mums of lockdown babies those who've um, experienced bereavement and loss during this time, those with mental health issues or addictions or looking to unhelpful coping mechanisms. So as we reflect on these four points, I think we can each raise that Ebenezer knowing that the Lord has helped us thus far. But going forward, four ways in which we can think of uh, building women's ministry into the future. Firstly, build a team or consolidate a team of women who are keen to serve. No one woman can do this work on her own. She needs support of the leadership and of other women in the church to work with. Look to consolidate and grow a team of women in ministry in your church. Secondly, encourage tired women, women who are physically tired and women who are spiritually tired. And then women who are perhaps tired because of the restrictions, because they're not able to stand out in their witness in the same way as perhaps they would have done. Women who aren't in the workplace working alongside their colleagues. Women who don't have the same opportunities at the school gate. Think of ways in which to spur them on in their witness. Thirdly, invest in training women. Women in ministry need to be equipped One church is planning some formal training for the new year so that women in the church can be equipped for Bible teaching and caregiving roles. Look at other opportunities for training women long term, have a longer term um, plan for the training and equipping of women. And then fourthly, review women's ministry with those who are engaged in women's ministry in churches. Think through what has worked well, what can be consolidated, what needs to be changed. Maybe things need to be stopped, maybe things need to be relaunched in different ways. And maybe even think, is this the time that we need to set aside somebody for women's ministry in in our church? Well, it has been a difficult time. And what if it's been really hard? What if you're struggling? Uh, Gabby's now going to encourage us and talk to us about that. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Eleanor. Um, Yeah, this section is for those of us for whom this season has just been really hard. For those of us who are the tired women of Eleanor's last slide, um, there is no doubt that this has been a hard time for all church workers and women involved in the work of ministry. Adjusting to new tech, new means of discipleship and evangelism, dealing with illness, both physically and mentally, even dealing with death what can feel like endless lists of people to text and call and check in with. Um, And now Christmas is on the horizon. It has been a lot for us to handle during this season. And we know the additional strains of our own lives. Um, The kids are now at home a bit more, working from home. Isolation, particularly for those of us who um, live alone or are single. Uh, the weariness of life compounded with the absence of the usual means of grace for us means that for lots of us this has just been a really hard time um and it's felt hard because it actually has been hard you've not it's not been something easy that you just happen to find hard because it's actually been a hard time um so, we're just going to spend some time now thinking of how we keep going in this difficult season. And first of all, I just want to take a moment to encourage you to hold on to the gospel that you so readily hold out to others. And we have to cling on to the gospel and apply its implications to our hearts in this weary season. Uh, please do remember that before you are a teacher, a women's worker, youth worker, a youth children, small group leader, uh, before you are an administrator or a ministry wife, um, you are first and foremost God's child. Um, right now, as weary as you are, um, you remain one for whom Christ died. You are one who has been united with Christ and therefore in this moment, your father is pleased with you. God's pleasure in you is not dependent on your output or how many plates you manage to keep spinning. It is dependent on the fact that you will be found in Christ on that final day and meditate and rest in these truths. I know that you know this, you know that you know this Um, but like those we minister to we need to be reminded uh, don't let your identity be grounded in the things you do or for some of us in the things that we have failed to do. Uh, but let your identity be grounded in the finished work of christ for you on your behalf and rest in that um, and following on from that please let me encourage you to guard and even get creative uh, with your time with your father um, when energy is lacking and there are lists of things to do both for work and for life uh, those lists feel like they're getting longer and longer for every one thing you tick off three things get added Uh, there will inevitably be pressure to skim on your devotional time Um, all of us I'm sure will have felt that in moments Uh, please don't please don't do that everything else you think you are doing um, for the Lord will suffer if you are not walking with him Uh, be the Mary who chose to uh, sit at the feet of her Saviour to do the one thing that was needful for that day and for every day. And I know some of us will automatically think, well, there's just lots to do. If I give that the time I would love to give that, that means that other things will not happen. You are correct. That may mean that other things don't happen. Um, It's interesting, Mary choosing not to join Martha, but to sit at Jesus' feet may have meant that some food was not prepared. It may have meant some dishes didn't make it into the dishwasher and there a few plates short and it was a bit bit embarrassing. It may have meant that. Um, But Jesus still commends her. Jesus still commends Mary for sitting at his feet. Um, uh, It may mean that you're not as well prepped as you would like to be. It may mean you have to do the embarrassing thing of asking for more time on a document due to your colleague. Uh, It may mean that some things do not get done. Uh, But a version of you walking with the Lord and empowered by his spirit is a better version than the one of you that is spiritually burnt out and feels like a hypocrite as you give your perfectly prepared study. Uh, Do prioritize time with your father and and be creative with that. Um, Maybe you spend the whole week with just one passage. Maybe you spend the whole week with the passage that was preached on Sunday. Just go back over the sermon and you meditate on that um maybe use music and meditation and repetition maybe you just learn four verses for the week um you go over and over them every single day Uh, whatever that looks like please do prioritize that time and finally uh, can i encourage you to tell the truth Uh, very practical but please do be honest with your church leaders about your capacity um, as women on the team, um, we never really want to say that we can't do something uh, or that something feels like it's a bit too much. Um, but please do not let your pride or fear of looking incompetent keep you from speaking to your brothers. They are your brothers. Um, as we come out of lockdown and, in and into lockdown again and out of lockdown and into lockdown, there will be the temptation to try and get everything back up and running again as it was before. Um, But do be honest with your capacity and realistic with your expectations. Um, Maybe focus on two or three things, do them well and pick up other things as you go. As Eleanor mentioned, this would be a great time to consolidate a team to do those things with you. Um, We're not God. We are limited. We do get tired. Uh, We need to pace ourselves as we transition into the next phase of lockdown. and it's good to be honest with ourselves and our church leaders about our capacity and what support might look like for us and where we're at spiritually. Um, there were lots of other things to say, but I thought I'd draw this section to, to a close with a Psalm that has breathed life into me numerous times uh, during the second lockdown, which I've found much more draining than the first. And that is Psalm 121. I'll read it quickly for us now. Um, a song of ascents, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and evermore, Um, amen. I personally have been so encouraged and strengthened in the knowledge that God, the all powerful God is the one who is keeping me and can keep you in your weariness and your weakness. He is the one who is able to keep me and even more than that, keep the people I've forgotten to text. Um, he doesn't slumber or sleep. Uh, so when I'm functioning on a three out of 10, he remains on an eternal 10, 100 out of 100. Uh, this is the God of, of Psalm 121. And this is the God who is more than able to keep you in this weary and weary season. Um, so I'm going to pray quickly now and then I think we'll go to a few questions um father we thank you that you are god whether we are in lockdown out of lockdown or whatever tear we find ourselves in and father we pray that we would um know the joy of what it is to minister amongst women uh, to be a part of the extending of your kingdom and the growth of your people but lord we pray that we would be first and foremost your children resting on you trusting you to keep us and we thank you that that is your promise to us you are the god who is our help You are the God who is keeping us. And we praise you for that this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, thank you so much, uh, Eleanor and Rachel and Gabby, for sharing with us. So many of the things that you've talked about are actually relevant for ministry to everybody in the church in these times of lockdown. But it's been good to hear some of the key principles, for particularly women's ministry. I think as a group of churches who are committedly complementarian and believing that pastors and elders are men, it's really important that our male leaders of churches understand uh, women's ministry and support women's ministry and know how they can ensure that effective women's ministry is happening within the church um, and in a sense the ultimate responsibility falls to us as leaders to do that so thank you so much for helping us as leaders to think that through and we really appreciate it and um, I, I
0: don't know who to direct these two especially but let, let me start with this one perhaps Rachel uh, I'll come to, to you with this one first of all and um, Would or should a church employ a men's worker in the way they employ a women's worker, i.e. if the pastor is pastoring the whole church, could there ever be a context for that to happen in the same way that churches employ women's workers? Perhaps it's a slightly awkward question, but I wanted to throw it your way.
2: Thanks for that question. Um, I guess, yes, if there's a capacity for that. I mean, I guess the Bible teaches that we believe men and women are equal, but there's differences. And so those differences need to be played out in how we disciple one another. Um, And I guess that's what we see in Titus too. So that's part of where women's ministry comes from, isn't it? That desire to disciple women um, in the way that, I guess, make us Christian women. And so actually there can be, I think, a benefit to having um, someone on the team who looks at the discipleship of the men and the training of the men in the same way. Um, And I guess it recognises that there are times the pastor might not have the time to do that for, for all the men if their kind of role is kind of discipling and looking after the whole church. So having, I guess it just reflects the, the benefit of having a team of people, if that's what can be possible within the church, who have specific focuses. Um, so, yeah.
0: And speaking of, of teams, uh, really good questions come in here. Uh, what do we do to build a team of women When everyone's feeling weary and reluctant to take on roles I don't know who who best wants to come in on that one but um that's very much how we're feeling at the moment I think in church generally isn't it so how do we how how do we build that team when everyone's weary and, and reluctant go on Eleanor you go first
3: thanks um yeah I think um that's a good question to ask because you need to be asking that question so that you can actually support one another in the building of that team. I think having a common um, goal is really important. Thinking about the parameters of the team and the um, what the um, yeah what the scope of it is going to be, what the outworking is going to be. So having a, a clear definition. I think um, recruiting women who've got a heart to serve, um, even if they're not quite sure how to serve, if you've got a, a, a desire and a burden to, to, to be involved in the ministry that, that Rachel outlined, then, then, then start with that, yeah? And I think the person who is leading the team needs to be able to assess the capacity um, the capabilities and where people are at really and also within building a team to have a compo- a component which means that when you get together whether that's on Zoom there is input from God's word um, to fuel the outworking of the purposes so that there's a pastoring of the team um, and that that should come really from the church leadership that should come from the 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 pastors and the elders um but it can be then delegated to to a woman who is has that responsibility for that team as well um so it needs to be a spiritual thing that is then worked out practically according to capacity capability yeah
0: i wonder if rachel or gabby whether you want to come in and and, and add to that at all
3: yeah i will us it's quite interesting
4: this is something that i'm in the process of doing in, in the church context i are working at the moment. And the weariness has been actually quite helpful in identifying, even though weary, you'll hear names that come up often as to who's been in touch with who. And so even in this weary season, if you can have your ear to the ground and hit, hit, have an ear up for the women that have continued to text people or who have made a real concerted effort to be, if possible, given their family situation, at church on a Sunday, even though it's hard, that might be helpful in identifying the women who um who do have a heart for it e- even in the wavy time so in some ways it being a more difficult situation will kind of clear, clear and make it clear who's committed to women's work even though it is difficult who's been texting that's my question at the moment who's had a little list of people that they've been in touch with that I've not given them no one's given them they just understand relationship and and, and, and taking care of people. And that's who I'm trying to make a beeline for to um, consolidate as, as part of a team moving forward.
0: Thanks, Gabby. Um, one last one for you uh, to, to um, uh, draw, draw on. And um, why or, or when should women's ministry be separate from the rest of the ministry of the church, i.e. the pastor is leading the whole church um, wh- why would we separate the women's ministry in, in, in quite this way? What circumstances would we would we do that in? What would what what does that need to to, to look like? Go on, Rachel.
2: I don't think we can give a specific list of circumstances of when this should happen I think that's up to the leadership of the church to kind of to think through I mean it could happen for small group bible studies it could happen in one-to-one relationships but I think the the premise of why we do it comes I guess like I said partly from Titus 2 but also from our biblical convictions that if we believe that there are differences in what it means to be men and women, and actually there are benefits with women teaching other women what it means to be a godly woman. Um, And so that doesn't necessarily mean that every church has to have a women's Bible study group or has to have um, women's brunches. Um, But actually, I think it does mean that there are contexts where women can minister to other women and teach them what they've learned about what it means to be a woman throughout their life and um, because you know it's Titus is the one who is to teach the older men and the older women but it's the older women who are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled and pure to be busy in the home to be kind and subject to their husbands and I think Titus does that because there's a specific understanding from being a woman of how to help other women love their husbands and love their children and that actually a a man can't do in the same way Um, and so yeah how that looks within your church needs to be decided by you you're, you're the leaders and the women who are there and the capacity that we've talked about but actually I think the bible is clear that there should be some context for women to be able to teach and disciple each other
4: and I suppose it's important to just pick up on the language of the question, when does women's ministry become separate from the ministry of the church? The answer is at no point ever, ever. Um, if there is women's, women's ministry is happening, women are ministering to other women in the life of the church. Question is, is that being done well? Is that being done by somebody that you trust and you acquit? Is that being done by somebody who you trust to handle God's word? Is that being done? done by somebody who has a great relationship with you and communicates with you as a church leader. Um, so when should it become separate? Never, it's always um, towards the wide objectives of the church family and, and the work of the kingdom. Um, but do, are there times where, you, where you've got a woman who's capable and able, and able to do, um, yeah, to enlarge the capacity of your ministry team? Might it be helpful to, to sing that woman out for ministry? Yes, but when is it separate? Never, never separate, always in line with the wider work of the church.
0: That's excellent. Uh, Eleanor, Gabby, Rachel, thank you uh, so much for contributing so well to today's webinar. Thank you uh, to everybody uh, for joining us today. Uh, Let me plug uh, next week and the week after for you uh, as our webinar program moves towards Uh, Christmas Next week, the 9th at midday, we're going to be joined by Ed Stetzer. You remember Ed uh, ministered to us at the Leaders Conference back in 2016. Ed will be with us next week, um, live from America, coming to us about 6am his time. uh, And he's going to be talking about missional lessons from COVID. Uh, So do join us next week if you can for Ed Stetzer. And then the week after, on the 16th, we've got uh, time with CARE. So Nola Leach from CARE will be joining us uh, on the topic of engaging with the government. And we're also going to be joined by the MP and former leader of the Liberal Democrats, Tim Farron, uh, on that uh, webinar as well on the 16th of December. So we've got Ed Stetzer next week, Nola Leach, and Tim Farron uh, the week after to take us up uh, to the Christmas break. So do join us uh, for those webinars if you're able to. Then we will resume uh, after Christmas and into the new year. Uh, Johnny Prime, I wonder if uh, I could ask you to pray for us uh, as we draw to a close. Thanks, brother. Certainly,
5: let's pray. Um, our Father in heaven we thought earlier about the need to look back and acknowledge the help you've given us because that helps us to move forward trusting you and so father we look back and simply ask you for your help uh, given in this webinar thank you for John's clarity and the gifts you've given him in serving us at this time and the wider church please especially equip him as he's currently at this meeting Uh, may he say what is helpful and beneficial Uh, And would he be a means by which um, government officials understand more um, uh, what churches like the churches we represent uh, are involved in, in serving people with your wonderful truth. Father, thank you for the clarity with which we've heard from uh, uh, Gabby and Rachel and Eleanor. Thank you for the general relevance of all they said, but thank you too for all the women who are a vital part of our local churches. Uh, Please encourage and help them uh, as they continue to serve the Lord Jesus and serve His people, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the FIC podcast. For more resources for church leaders, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app, and visit our website at fiec.org.uk.